going to be reading from Acts chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through to 26, the whole chapter. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift, of the, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? To Israel, sorry. He said to them, This is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. Then suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, and Judas son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Akeldama, sorry, that is, field of blood. For Peter said, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, sorry, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two men you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots 
and the lot fell on Matthias, as he was added to, so he was added to the eleven apostles. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, well, as Jeff has said, we're starting a new series now in the book of Acts. The title of this series is The Unstoppable Gospel, and hopefully as we continue through the book, uh, the reality of that title will become clear. Let's pray as we continue to reflect on this together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that uh, the words of your apostles have been recorded for us and that... um, this part of your word has been recorded, particularly that we can know what happened next after your uh, son's ascension to your right hand. And we pray that as we reflect on this today and in the coming weeks and months, it really will uh, fill us with an enthusiasm to be joining with Jesus in his mission. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said, we're starting this new series today in the book of Acts, and it will take us through to chapter 9 over the coming weeks and months. And one of the things that I really love about the book of Acts is that it takes us back to the start of the church and reminds us of where we are going and why. Because it can be easy for churches to get off track and for Christians to get off track as the past 2,000 years really of church history has shown us. Uh, And the thing with getting off track is you don't always realise it. You don't always realise that you're off track at the time. Kind of like when Helena and I went bushwalking a while ago and before long found ourselves off track. We had a a day away down at the Southern Highlands a couple of years ago and it was a beautiful day for a walk and we went out on this hike and we started off uh, full of enthusiasm and knowing where we were going or so we thought and we saw some great scenery along the way. Uh, but then before long we discovered the track kind of disappeared in front of us, just kind of merged into bushland and we found ourselves bushbashing our way through until in the end we decided to bite the bullet and backtrack and find out where we were supposed to actually be going. Sometimes churches can get off track and can get involved in all kinds of things, good things even, but still off track. And so it can be helpful, as I said, to go back to where it all began to where the church gets its marching orders from Jesus. And Acts tells us that story, the story of the mission that Jesus is on and that he calls us to join in. And as I said, it's a story of the unstoppable gospel of Jesus. And the first thing that we're going to see as we look at chapter 1 of Acts today is that Acts is about the continuing mission of Jesus, the continuing mission of Jesus. You notice in verse 1, if you've got your Bibles with you there, that the author Luke, who wrote this, compares his earlier book, that is Luke's gospel, with what he's writing now. And this is what he says from verse 1. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, that is Luke's gospel, in my former book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So you notice that the first book, Luke's Gospel, was about what Jesus began to do and teach. But as I read Luke's Gospel, and in fact as I read all the Gospels, it seems to me that Jesus has finished what he came to do, that he died for the sins of the world to to give forgiveness and restore us to God, that he rose 
to new life as the king of God's kingdom, the conqueror of death and the Lord of all. Jesus accomplished what he came to do. And yet here in his second book, Luke begins by saying that was what Jesus began to do. This second book is what Jesus did next. And getting that understanding as we begin the book of Acts kind of changes our assumptions of what Acts is about. You know, the title that, that people have given to the book Acts, the, the, the full title is The Acts of the Apostles. I still remember when I was a kid kind of misunderstanding what that meant because I thought it was the Acts in AXE, chopping kind of Acts of the Apostles. And so as I, as I read the book of Acts, the only Acts that you discover really is the Apostles are on the receiving end of the kind of Acts that severs heads from bodies. But obviously it's not that kind of Acts, A-C-T-S, But more than that, a misunderstanding I think that we can commonly have is that it's fundamentally about the apostles. But what we see here is that part two of Luke's story is what Jesus did next after his life, death, resurrection and ascension. And so it really should be the acts of the risen and ascended Lord Jesus. This is Jesus on his mission. But the distinctive thing, I guess, about Acts is that Jesus, as he continues his mission, he does so without physically being there. You see from verse 2 and verse 9 that Jesus is taken back up to heaven pretty much at the start of the story. And so he's not physically present. And really, this is why we call it the Acts of the Apostles, because they're the primary players, I guess you could say, in the story but it's still very much the story of Jesus and what he is doing. This is Jesus on his mission, continuing his mission. Now, the second thing that we're going to see is that Jesus' mission, Jesus continuing his mission, changes how we wait. Changes how we wait. You see from verse 6 that the apostles are waiting for Jesus to restore the kingdom to Israel. Jesus has proven by his his, uh, resurrection from the dead that he is the king of God's kingdom, the Messiah, the Christ. And so the apostles are waiting for the moment when that will become clear to everyone, the restoration of the kingdom. For them, the main game is waiting. And that's true of the Christian life. We are waiting for Jesus to return. They're not sure how long they'll have to wait They're expecting that it might be a few days. They say in verse 6, Lord, are you at this time, that is in a few days' time that Jesus has just mentioned, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? But Jesus doesn't even answer their question. He says, it is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. It's not for you to know the times and dates. Instead, Jesus changes their expectation about what they should do while they're waiting. And he tells them in verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Don't worry about the timing, Jesus says, but do worry about how you should wait. So how do you normally wait? What do you normally wait with? I mean, you normally wait with a watch, right, a clock, or for maybe bigger things, a calendar. You, you wait for the train with a, with a watch, so you, you know, so you know when the train is coming. You wait for maybe your birthday with a calendar, so you cross off 
the days as the, as the date is approaching. I'm sure we've all got that friend who seems to only operate with a calendar and never a watch. I've got that friend who turned up for a birthday party as the party was finishing. He was on the right day and that's all that seemed to manage for him, matter for him and that's how he always operates and we just get used to that. But that's, what you, that's how you normally wait for things, with a calendar or a watch. But Jesus says, as you wait for me, don't worry about a calendar or a watch and he replaces that with a to-do list because Jesus has a job for them to do. They're waiting for Jesus. He's not going to be passive, not just passing time, crossing off dates on a calendar or trying to guess, work out when he's going to come back. No, they wait for Jesus by joining his mission. And verse 8 tells us what that will look like. In fact, verse 8 really gives us the mission statement for the book of Acts. You want to know what the book of Acts is about? Learn verse 8. Let me read it again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. As I said, that verse really is the key for understanding the book of Acts. And as you read through it, that's what we see happening. The apostles, empowered by the Holy Spirit, bearing witness about Jesus in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and into the world beyond. And so I gave us a different title for the book of Acts. Maybe the more full title should be the Acts of the Risen and Ascended Lord Jesus through his apostles by the power of his Spirit. But that's a bit of a mouthful, right? So let's just call it Acts. Simpler, huh? And I think there are two things in this verse that really show us what the mission is about and that set, as I said, the agenda for the book of Acts. And at the same time, they also, I think, set the agenda for what our involvement in Jesus' mission should be like. And they are our kind of our final two points, really, that the continuing mission of Jesus is the apostles' witness about Jesus to the ends of the earth, and that the continuing mission of Jesus is empowered by his spirit. So let's look at the first of those first. The continuing mission of Jesus is the apostles' witness about Jesus. As I said, <coughs> excuse me, Jesus has already accomplished what he came to do, what he needed to be the saviour of the world and the king of the kingdom by his life, death, resurrection and ascension. What remained was for that to be applied to the hearts and lives of people, for people to hear that message, for people to respond to the good news in repentance and faith, for people to put their trust in Jesus and to acknowledge that he is the only true ruler of the world and of my life and to receive the forgiveness and the reconciliation that comes only through Jesus. And the ongoing mission is that part, to tell people about this. <clears throat> and in particular, Jesus tells the apostles that their role is to bear witness to what they have seen. You will be my witnesses, Jesus says. Because significant events almost always need witnesses, don't they, to, to verify them. You see any kind of news story on the news, what you see is the reporter telling us what happened, and then getting some witnesses in front of the camera to, to give their report. I saw it just this week. You might have seen that shark attack on Tuncurry Beach just up the coast, um, with, you know, devastating. And, 
and the reporter standing on the beach there gives, gives his report of what happens and then you hear a couple of eyewitnesses to tell what they happened. Significant events need witnesses to verify them. It's the same in, in court. They bring witnesses as the, as the key part of proving what happened. And Jesus was leaving his apostles to be his witnesses of his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, but particularly his resurrection. That's absolutely essential in the ongoing message of Jesus, mission of Jesus. That's why, did you notice the first thing that the apostles do after Jesus leaves pretty much is to appoint someone to replace Judas? particularly so that he can be and so that this replacement can be an apostle and a witness with them of the resurrection of Jesus. Let me read um, what it says from like the middle of verse 22. It needed to be someone, sorry, 21. It needed to be someone who was there with them from the beginning. The whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection, a witness of the resurrection. It's also why, back in verse 3, during the 40 days from when Jesus rose to when he was taken up to heaven, one of the main things that Jesus did, as well as teaching the apostles, was to give many convincing proofs that he was alive. The apostles were going to be witnesses of the resurrection and so they had to be absolutely certain of it themselves. And so that's what we see in the book of Acts. In chapter after chapter, the apostles are bearing witness to what they have seen and they tell people about it and they say, we are witnesses of this. We are witnesses of this. We are witnesses of this. Along with a call to action. Repent and believe. Repent and be baptised receive the forgiveness of sins that comes only through Jesus and the new life that he brings. That was the apostles' task in the continuing mission of Jesus. And they were to do this, it says, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's exactly what we see happening throughout Acts, almost Acts finishes with with the Apostle Paul in prison, but still preaching about Jesus in Rome. Now, Rome is a long way from Jerusalem, but it's not the ends of the earth. And so the book of Acts is kind of open-ended as the mission of Jesus continues. And it continues even to this day. That kind of leaves us with a question. That is, how do we join in that mission, particularly in the witness of the apostles. We're not eyewitnesses. We weren't there, so we can't say we are witnesses of this in the same way that they could. So how do we bear witness uh, as the apostles were told to? Well, most simply, we do it by passing on what they saw, what they heard, what they wrote down. We pass on the witness of the apostles that's been recorded for us in the New Testament. That's how we can share in the witness of the apostles. And there's a number of ways that we can do that quite simply. I mean, lots of things, but a couple of things to to bear in mind. One is simply by giving someone a copy of the Bible or even just a copy of 
uh, gospel. I know someone who always carries with her several copies of John's gospel, sorry, of Luke's gospel, and is regularly giving them out to people, people that she meets on the train or in the shops or conversations that she has with people. Who knows how many people she's given them to in the past. In fact, our newly elected Archbishop of Sydney became a Christian at the age of 21 when a friend of his gave him a copy of the Gospel of John and he read it, he read the, the witness of the Apostle John and was convinced and captivated by the Lord Jesus. What a simple thing to do, to give away a copy of the Gospel. Another thing that we can do is to share our own story that points people to Jesus and to the message of Jesus. We talk about giving our testimony in that way, don't we? Which is the same thing as, as bearing witness. Bearing witness and giving a testimony is the same thing. And usually when we say that, we mean sharing how God has brought me to put my trust in Jesus and the impact that has had on my life. And it's wonderful, I reckon, to hear the amazing stories of the, the transformations and the changes that God brings in people's life as they come to put their trust in Jesus. And I love hearing those stories. But the vital thing is, the important thing is, that we're not actually witnessing about Jesus unless our story points to his story. His death for my sin, his resurrection for my new life as ruler and Lord. And so one of the best things that each of us can do is in, in joining the mission of Jesus is to have our own personal story that does point people to Jesus, his work in my life. I'm the setting, I guess you could say, of the story, but Jesus is and must be the hero of that story. And so my story points to his, your story points to his. And so I encourage us to have a, a, a quick, short, one-minute, five-minute story of how Jesus has worked in my life, but that has Jesus as the hero, Jesus as the main point of the story. What a great way to share in the mission of Jesus and the witness of the apostles to the ends of the earth. Because, you know, the ends of the earth is everywhere. It's, you know, Algeria, Mongolia, Germany, and maybe you could be one of those people who takes that message to those far-off places. I pray that some of us are. But it is also Londonderry, Richmond, Hobartville. This is the ends of the earth, compared to Jerusalem particularly, the ends of the earth. And so wherever we are, we can be sharing in the mission of Jesus now. And the continuing mission of Jesus is about the apostles' witness to Jesus. We can be part of that now. The final point that we're looking at now is that the continuing mission of Jesus is empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And again, verse 8 is key. You will receive power, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and so on to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And that's exactly what we see. Jesus returns to heaven, he sends his spirit, and that empowers the apostles to bear witness about him. And so again and again through Acts, that's what we see happening. In chapter 2, 
the Holy Spirit empowers the apostles to bear witness by enabling them to speak in languages that they didn't otherwise know so that the people hearing them who speak other languages could hear the message of Jesus. That was the purpose of the Spirit's power in that moment. At several points, the Spirit adds weight to what the apostles are saying by enabling them to do miracles, and so the Spirit validates their testimony in that way. Again, it enables the witness to Jesus. In chapter 3, the Spirit emboldens the apostles to speak about Jesus. They've just received threats from the authorities, and as you can imagine, that would be pretty intimidating. That would make them want to stop talking about Jesus, and so they pray for boldness to continue speaking. And the Spirit provides that boldness so that they speak the word of God with great confidence, boldly. I could go on. The Spirit empowers the witness to Jesus. Sometimes that seems supernatural. Sometimes it seems much more normal. But at every point, that's what the Spirit is doing. He's empowering the, the mission of testifying to Jesus. And I guess the most significant consequence of this that we see throughout Acts, of the fact that the Spirit is empowering the mission, is that the message is unstoppable because it is empowered by the Spirit. And so right throughout the book, at every point where there is opposition, significant opposition, we keep hearing the refrain, but the Word of God continued to grow and spread. The apostles, the believers, the Christians, they face all kinds of attacks. It's not easy for them by any means. But the message goes out unhindered. And in fact, that word unhindered is the very last word of the whole book of Acts. In in the last chapter of, of Acts, Paul is in prison, as I said, in Rome. But the message of Jesus is not imprisoned. It says, Paul preached about the Lord Jesus Christ with great boldness and unhindered. We have an unstoppable gospel because it is empowered by the spirit of Jesus. I wonder if you feel like that about the mission that Jesus has left us with, that it is an unstoppable message of Jesus. When you consider the opposition that we face in the media perhaps or on social media, maybe it's amongst your friends and family, in the, in the changing values of the shifting culture around us, in the physical or political, sometimes violent opposition that Christians face around the world? Does it seem like the message of Jesus is unstoppable? These are the kind of things that the apostles face in Acts. And the book of Acts shows us that it is unstoppable because it is Jesus' mission and it is empowered by his spirit. And because it is empowered by his spirit, one of the greatest weapons we have in this mission is prayer. We should pray, like the apostles did, that God will give us his spirit to speak the message with boldness. You know, I'm not naturally a bold person. And so I need the spirit's power to speak with boldness. And I suspect that you do too. We face all kinds of things that would make us otherwise want to lose our nerve, that would make us otherwise want to shrink back and stay silent, not want to speak about Jesus. And so we should pray 
Now, please pray for me. Pray for yourselves, amongst your friends, in your workplaces, amongst your families, at the school gates, at the shops, wherever you encounter people. Pray for boldness to speak about Jesus. Pray for our missionaries. You know, just because someone goes to another part of the world or another part of Australia doesn't make it easy to talk about Jesus. In fact, most of the time it makes it harder. So we should pray for boldness for them. Pray that they will speak with boldness. Pray that God will remove barriers. Pray that God will powerfully work to bring people into his kingdom. Because the mission of Jesus is empowered by his spirit and so we can pray. This is an unstoppable message. Jesus' mission is continuing to this day. And like the apostles, Jesus calls us to join him in that. Like the apostles, waiting for Jesus does not mean passively ticking off dates on a calendar or worse, just forgetting that he's ever coming back and getting on with life. No, Jesus has left us here with a to-do list, with a job to do, to continue the witness of the apostles by the power of his spirit to the ends of the earth. Will you join him in this mission? Let's pray that we will. Heavenly Father, you know that we need the power of your spirit to work in us, to take away fear, to give conviction, to uh, give us hearts that are inclined in the way that your heart is, to want to see a world come under the salvation of Jesus and to know the love that you have for us in him. And so, Father, we pray that you will give us that by your spirit. Please work powerfully among us in whatever ways you see fit. And, Father, please enable us to speak the testimony about Jesus that the apostles have left us with. Please give us great conviction about that and please work through us as we do it and please see fit to bring many more people into your kingdom. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.